It's all your... Good morning, friends. It's always good to be here and to see everyone. Uh, let's open in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are in our midst. God, thank you for gracing us with your presence this morning. Thank you for the way that you are already moving and speaking and touching hearts. God, thank you for the word that you want to speak today. I pray that your word would pierce our hearts to the core. God, that you would shake the things that can be shaken, that you would give us a mind to understand the very things of you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was uh, at work yesterday pulling a Paul Blart at HEB, which is what I do on the weekends. I ride a Segway, and I look really dumb, and I make people really mad. And uh, if you spent any amount of time outside this weekend, you will know that it was windy. Incredibly windy. Windy to the point I thought I was going to blow over yesterday. And there was one particular side of the building where I saw something that gave me a thought. And it was a bird, okay? And I love birds. I don't think they're gross or creepy. I love it when they sit on the power lines. And uh, I, I don't know. I just like birds. It's weird. And so I saw a bird, and I'm trying to balance on my thing, and I'm trying to do my job, and I'm trying to make sure there's no one doing anything bad. And uh, this bird was trying to fly against the wind, but the wind was literally so strong. The current of the wind was so strong, it literally was going up and down, just up and down. It could not go forward at all. Now, thankfully, it wasn't going backwards, but it was just like, just up and down. It was like a modern-day flappy bird in real life. And here's what it made me think of. We often waste our lives with peasant wanderings when we were created for kingdom dwelling. I looked up some words last night, and a peasant, the dictionary says this, uh, a member of a European class of persons tilling the soil as small landowners or as laborers, a member of a similar class elsewhere, a usually uneducated person of low social status. Doesn't exactly sound like a child of God. Hmm. I looked up wandering, it said this, characterized by aimless Slow or pointless movement to wind or meander, not keeping a rational or sensible course. Kingdom, the realm in which God's will is fulfilled, a realm or region in which something is dominant, an area or sphere in which one holds a preeminent position and dwelling, a shelter in which people live. We often waste our lives with peasant wanderings when we were created for kingdom dwelling. We're going to go to Exodus 13. We're going to look at two verses, verse 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. 
And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. The shortest journey, there were multiple routes for the Israelites to travel, to leave Egypt. And the shortest route would have been around 250 miles, and it would have taken maybe a month. Okay, God took the Israelites the longest way possible. Did you catch that? God took them the longest route possible. And there's several reasons. Number one, easy and quick is not always best. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever told God just how wrong he was? I'm the only one. Okay, fantastic. I'd love to tell you a story. It was 2008, and I was in my last year of studies at Lincoln Christian University in Illinois. And uh, I had a really good job, really good paying job. I was doing great. I'd been clean and sober for nine months. And all I needed to do to graduate from college, after eight years of struggle for a four-year degree, I, uh, I needed to do an internship. And I was supposed to go to somewhere in Africa. I don't remember the nation. I was supposed to go somewhere and work with uh, girls that were being rescued out of um, human trafficking. And, uh, I, like, I met with a missionary, I quit my job, had it all worked out right, I had this binder, it was so organized, had all my notes, my maps, my language stuff, like, I was ready to go, right? And then all of a sudden, the missionary's like, oh, hey, by the way, it's not going to work out, sorry, good luck to you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What the heck? And so, I talked to my advisor, and, uh, my advisor is actually, um, Bob's sister, and so, she knew about House of Faith had been down here, so... She said, what about Texas? And my first thought was, I am not going to Texas with a bunch of rednecks and Indians and cowboys. Because I'd never been to Texas. I didn't know there were, like, normal people here, you know? And, uh, you know, but I didn't really have a choice. And so she said, pray about it, which I didn't. uh, Because I didn't pray, you know? I just didn't do bad things. And I felt like I didn't have a choice. And so, long story short, I hopped in my car, my little two-door Honda Civic, packed to the max, and it was a 24-hour drive. And uh, I left my professor's house that morning, and, and she gave me the typical speech of be professional, be nice, smile, people are nice, it's okay to be nice. And, you know, anything a parent would tell their kid, my professor told me, you know, like. And so I drove, I began my journey down to Texas. And um, gosh, it was a long trip. It was a very long trip with just me. That was it. And uh I proceeded to tell God for the entire 20 plus hours just how wrong he was. About every mile marker, this is what I said. This was the conversation. Well, it was more like a monologue because I didn't really care what he said. But this is what I said. I said, um, hey, God, uh, excuse me, sir, but I think you're wrong. Like, this is the worst idea ever. And I don't know what house of faith is. And, and this is whack. And I think you've made a big mistake, Right. Still driving, and as I'm driving, the further south I get, the hotter it gets. Like, I left snow, and it was cold, and I'm, like, cranking my temperature thing down. I'm like, goodness, I'm having hot flashes. What is happening? Because it's getting hotter, and so, you know, I'm driving, and I'm like, hey, God, you're wrong. This was a big mistake. And 10 more miles, oh, hey, God, have you forgotten? You've made a really big mistake on this one. And I'll never forget, I drove to Dallas that first day, and I ended up in the hood like chain link fences everywhere it's 11 30 at night and I pull over at a 7-eleven because I'm lost like I'm lost and I'm exhausted right 
And um, I experience culture shock because I go in and I try to ask the lady for directions and she doesn't speak English and I'm like freaking out and I'm like, oh, see, told you, you were wrong, this is terrible. And I go out and sit in my car and I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night, I don't even know anyone in San Angelo, I'm not about to call and be like, hi, I'm lost in Dallas, can you help me, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm sitting in my car panicking and telling God again just how wrong he is and something catches my eye, and it's a guy in a wheelchair, and he just pulls up and parks in the spot next to me, and there's a guy on the sidewalk asking for money, and all of these things are happening, and I'm literally sick to my stomach and have no idea where I'm at. I finally find my hotel, and the hotel hands me a voucher for two free drinks at the bar that night. I'm like, oh, classic of all the hotels I could pick, you know? Like, I'm trying not to drink this stuff anymore, and I get a voucher for two free drinks. And uh, the, the channel button on the TV actually controlled the volume, which I found out after I went to bed. And I remember that night going to dinner, and I ordered, and I just cried. I just cried, and I couldn't stop crying. And the waitress was like, are you sure you're okay? I'm like, I'm great. Can I get a box? <laughs> you know, because I just was so overwhelmed. And I thought God was so wrong. God's ways are not our ways. It turns out eight years later, God was right and I was wrong again. Sometimes seeing the conflict at hand will lead you back into slavery. The last thing God wants for any of us is to return back to Egypt. Egypt represented slavery, chains, hardship, misery. We only see a very small piece and I think there's great wisdom in that. Someone once said, if God showed us the entire story from beginning to end, we'd never be brave enough to turn the page. We have to trust that when it doesn't make sense, God is protecting us from losing heart. God knew what the Israelites would see and what they would encounter. And he said, I don't want my people to lose heart and turn back. Sometimes God will take us the long way to protect us from that. A wilderness season always comes before a miracle season. We see this again and again with the Israelites. In Exodus 15, there's, it's when they, they've crossed the Red Sea and they've made it and, and there's a song and they're praising God and they're like, we crossed the Red Sea, it's fantastic, God saved us. It was probably much better than that. Um, but it, it was incredible. And, and when they crossed the Red Sea, like, can you imagine? It, it's, there was dry ground for them to walk on. And it's like the ultimate Finding Nemo adventure. Like, I think that when they crossed the Red Sea, they could look over and be like, whoa, that's a big fish, right? Like, that's crazy. That's so cool. And then it goes from crossing the Red Sea, a complete miracle. <laughs> There's no way that anybody could explain that outside of God. They go from that to three days in the wilderness with no water. Wilderness to miracle to wilderness to miracle. Most people never get to experience their miracle because they give up in their wilderness. Most people never get to experience their miracle because they give up in the wilderness. It took the Israelites 40 years to get to the promised land. It should have taken 11 days. Do the math. I'm not going to crunch numbers. It took them 40 years. What should have taken 11 days? A lot of that was because of their own unbelief and doubt and foolishness and sin. Even then, after a 40-year journey, only two of the original one and a half million Israelites 
would ever step foot into the promised land. Don't quit in your wilderness. The best is just ahead. Walking by faith and not by sight means that sometimes you have to walk something out before you've experienced it. Verse 18 says that the Israelites were equipped for battle. If they were equipped for battle, then why did God help them avoid a battle? This was, this was puzzling to me. But it actually means, when it says that they were equipped for battle, it means that they were walking like an army. They were marching orderly, like an army ready for battle. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. As believers, we are to walk in the full armor of God as the head and not the tail, victorious overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Peter walked on water long before he realized he was doing it. Noah built a really, really, really big boat long before there was a single drop of rain. The Israelites put their crusty toes in cold water long before there was a dry path to step on. Mary worshiped Jesus with her heart long before her eyes would behold his beauty and splendor. Abraham raised the knife above the body of his beloved son that he had waited years for before there was a ram in the thicket. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We often make it much more difficult than it needs to be, yet put the blame on God. The Israelites' journey was full of grumbling and complaining. Let's hop to Exodus 17, verses 1 through 3. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are ready to stone me. And then you know the rest of the story. Moses taps the rock. So dramatic. So much grumbling. Parents, does that sound like your children on a road trip? No? Three of you? We often make it much more difficult than it needs to be. You often put the blame on God. We waste a lot of time telling God how to do his job. Last I checked, he's doing his job really, really well. Like he has it under control. He's doing okay. He's having a fantastic day. He is not stressed or overwhelmed or tapped out to the limit at all. Like he has it all under control and he's doing great. He's not even tired today. He's not even worried about getting home in time for the football game or worried about the crowds at HEB or or checking off his list. Uh, He is doing just fine. He is God, and and he is good, and he is in control. If we want to progress from peasant wandering to kingdom dwelling, we must learn to move with the current and not against it. Remember the bird from earlier? If it would have just submitted or surrendered or succumbed to the current of the wind, 
It could have been rerouted and eventually made it to where it was going, but it didn't. And this is true of us as children of God. We fight the current and we resist the spirit a lot. God says, do this. We say, no, thank you. God says, don't do that. We say, oops. We insist like spoiled brats that God do things our way and on our schedule. Such foolishness and pride. We are that exhausted, flapping bird in the wind getting nowhere. When we learn to submit and surrender, it is then that the grand adventure begins. Exhausted, frustrated, realizing that your way isn't exactly working out. Me too. Just as we can't fully measure or capture the wind or its cycles, we can't measure or capture the Holy Spirit. But just like we can see the the effects of wind and feel it, so we too can feel and see the effects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's the Spirit that gives you momentum for the journey ahead. It's the Spirit that charts the course for the way you've never traveled before. And we can bank on this. We can trust the Holy Spirit. We can lean in and listen and fully surrender, or we can choose not to. Eleven days became 40 years because of a lot of flapping birds in the wilderness. You were created for kingdom dwelling. Refuse to live a life of peasant wandering. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter. You know those inspirational posters? You see them a lot at Christmas time. There's like a pretty sunset or a boat that says like, Courage, dare to do the impossible, or you know what I'm talking about? No one has ever made one with a boat, with guys in a boat that says, stay in the boat, it's better here. Right? Like no one's ever talked about the disciples in the boat and what we could learn from them. I mean, we can learn that it's not fun to be a wimp of the faith. But no, like, no one ever talks about the guys in the boat. It's always all about Peter. And I'm sure, if you're like me, maybe you've tried walking on water before. Anyone? I'm, okay, seven of us. Fantastic. Y'all are a tough crowd this morning. But I love the story of Peter, because for Peter, Peter is in the boat with the disciples. And, and you know, Jesus is walking on the water, and Peter's like, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Like, hey, you know, he didn't say, Lord, if that's you, um, hit me up on my cell phone. I gotta talk to you, you know? Like, Peter's not even thinking rationally. He's not even thinking logistically. He's not thinking about the fact that he's in a boat, which is on the water, and that Jesus is on the water some distance away. And I think that's what walking by faith is a lot like. I think that's what it's supposed to be like. But so often, for me, I try to make it logistical and try to figure out X's and O's and cross my T's and dot my I's, and it just doesn't work. That's not living by faith. That's living by human logic. And my logic bank is small. You know? And I love the story of Peter because Peter does the impossible. Nobody else in the history of the world can say, like Jesus, that he walked on water. But Peter can. And you better believe when I get to heaven one day, I'm going to ask Peter what it was like. I got a couple questions for him. He did the impossible, but it was because of his faith in who Jesus was. It was because of the longing of Peter's heart that he wanted to be so close to Jesus, so near to Jesus, that he, he, he didn't even think rationally. And I think that's what kingdom dwelling is. I think that's what kingdom dwelling is. The disciples in the boat, they were peasant wanderers, for lack of a better word. But Peter... 
He was a kingdom dweller. You know, kingdom dwelling means doing things opposite. That makes sense. It might mean this. When God says give someone money and you only have five bucks to your name and the car is empty and there's no food in the fridge and you have a bill that was due three days ago, kingdom dwelling means that you give that five dollars in faith because you know that God will provide. Kingdom dwelling means loving the person standing on the corner begging for money instead of judging them and say, why don't you go get a job? Kingdom dwelling means embracing the ones who seem so unlovable, who seem like outcasts. Maybe they smile or they look funny. Kingdom dwelling means representing your very creator and being a a source of light in a dark world. I'm so tired of seeing Christians fight on Facebook and stabbing each other in the back. And, And listen, we can agree to disagree, okay? There's a time and a place for those conversations, but do you know why nobody's walking to the doors of the church? Because they don't want to be with us. There's no difference. We're so quick to throw stones and cast judgment. Why why are we expecting non-believers to live like believers? They don't know. The Bible says, for you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They don't know the truth. They're not free. It is our job to help them with their chains. That's what kingdom dwelling is. That's what kingdom living is. The Israelites, 40 years for an 11-day journey, all because of unbelief, stubbornness, resentment, sin. One of my favorite verses, I don't know where it's at, it's in the New Testament somewhere, says this. Fear not, little flock, for it is a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He longs to give you the kingdom, to give everything to you. But we miss out because we're pleasant wanderers. God created you to be a kingdom dweller. God wants you to be a Peter that steps out of the boat and does the impossible. Quit trying to figure it out. You're not going to figure it out. I'm not going to figure it out. You know what I learned? Here's what I learned on my internship. In 2008, I was supposed to be here for three months. I would then go back in May and graduate, and then I'd move to South Korea and teach English as a second language. I already had the job. I already had the interview. And halfway through my internship, God became so real to me, alive again. After almost 10 years of nothing, like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, And things began to happen in my heart, and God began to change me from the inside out. And God said, Tara, stay here. Here's what I've learned. God knows what he's doing. If I would have moved to South Korea, I would have tanked hard. I would have never made it. Because I didn't know how to walk with the Lord. And being in St. Angelo and being at House of Faith and being here has taught me how to walk with the Lord again. Like, I know the word. He's a real being. It's not, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. Like, God loves me and I love him and and we adventure every day together. And now I can see that he knew all along what he was doing. But I would have missed it if I didn't submit or surrender to his leading. I don't always understand the ways of the Lord. But I want what everything God has for me. 
I want to walk fully in what he has created me for and what he has called me to. I want to be a kingdom dweller. I don't want to live like a peasant. I don't want to be a wanderer who aims with no purpose, who lives every day just trying to survive. I don't want my logic to be bigger than my faith. There's no chance of that happening, but I don't want that happening. I don't even want my bank account to be bigger than my faith. I don't want my house to be bigger, my family to be bigger, my dreams to be bigger. Because kingdom dwelling is where life is. The riches of this world will never compare to the kingdom of God. Your status on social media or, or the ranks that you climb in your career will never compare to the high ranking of King Jesus. Your wilderness beckons. Will you face it with bravery and allow the current of the Holy Spirit to take you? Or will you turn back and head for the familiarity of Egypt? Don't quit in your wilderness. Your miracle is right around the corner. You can trust the Holy Spirit leading you. You can trust the path that he has you on. You were born and created for kingdom dwelling, not peasant wandering. God, I'm so thankful this morning for your word. I'm thankful that you are the God of miracles, that you are the God of the wilderness. God, I'm thankful for the way that you write our stories. God, thank you for sending stubborn Tara all the way down to Texas those years ago. Thank you for the things that you've been teaching me. God, thank you that in my wilderness, you have never left me. You have not forgotten. You have not forsaken. God, thank you that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. God, for all of us in this room, I pray that we would learn to submit to the current of the Holy Spirit, that we would not be birds fighting against the wind trying to get somewhere, but God, that we would just surrender to your voice and your will for our lives. Thank you that you created us for greatness, that you created us to be kingdom dwellers here on this earth. God, may you establish your kingdom in this place. May you establish this kingdom, your kingdom in this church. May you establish your kingdom in our hearts and minds forever. Help us to face the road ahead with bravery and great courage. In Jesus' name, amen.